lights down Hand over my crown Hand over my heart I do this for my town I do this for my crowd So turn me up real loud My time, my time None of you people can tell me to stop Hello everybody, welcome to this week's uh, episode of MGR Unplugged David, I'm actually... Um, Disappointed because I, I had a, I had planned originally to discuss or to talk about all the uh, Super Bowl commercials like we kind of promised, but they all really sucked. I mean, I, I don't have any that I really think stood out for me as um, something really original. I think I, I saw, well, I think I mentioned one to you that I thought it was, oh yeah, the one with uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey, the flat. I, don't even know I mean, was that was like, you know, fine. It was fine. I, I haven't even heard that much about uh, you know normal TV shows highlighting which commercial was yeah. the best and the Who worst. Cares? It's like people didn't give a shit this time. No. Plus, they were all pretty bad, to be honest. I mean, they were... I don't want to be politically correct, but I think they were too much on the correctness side. Like, oh, America beautiful, and yeah. let's all wait together, kumbaya, whatever. It's like, come on, let's just move on. But one f- kind of uh, funny note... Or not so funny for the person in in place, but uh, you remember one of the ones that we did comment about was the uh, the one with uh, Bruce Springsteen and the uh, Jeep commercial, which um, yeah, I didn't even see it during the game. I, uh, it I saw a- it, I saw it afterwards. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I know. Whatever. Well, I, I was surprised. I mean, I I've been. Uh, Bruce- I know a lot of people ma- were making fun of it. Yeah, because it was like. Basically, like, oh, I know the nation is in shambles, but yeah, yeah, you know what'll make you feel better? <laughs> Buying a Jeep. I know. <laughs> no, but not only that. I mean, I, that's I, always I, like my f- favorite thing too. Is like, you have companies like Pepsi, which just all they do is sell dog shit, poison food, foods, yeah. and drinks, and then they're like. We're trying to make America better. Yeah. And uh, we donated to the American Heart Association. And I'm like, you know what would help Americans' hearts? <laughs> is if you stopped selling them your shit. Less Frito-Lays and Doritos and shit. Uh, no, but uh, the one with uh, Bruce Springsteen, I mean, I, I am a fan of Bruce Springsteen. I always liked him a lot. And, uh, you know, his, fam- his album Born in the USA and all that stuff. I mean, I, I played that one to death. And I had not seen him for a while, you know. Um, so when I saw the commercial, it's like, oh man, Bruce Springsteen looks pretty good, you know. Still, I know he's getting old, I was old, and I uh, saw the Jeep commercial, and I was like, okay. Well, also, this I was is- gonna say, I don't think most people under thirty know who Bruce Springsteen is. Well, they know who he is. They probably don't know who, what he looks like. Right, like his, uh, like I know who he is, but I would guess that most of my friends do not know who Bruce Springsteen is, and they couldn't name a song by Bruce Springsteen. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm born in the USA you. and war. Oh, that's it. What is the, it good for? The only one I know is <laughs> born in the USA. No. That's it. That's the only fucking one I know. I don't know any. No, of the there other are many. Songs. I mean, I I have the I bought this triple back the, back in the day CD collection, and I played that one over and over. I still play it. I mean, I, I there are some very good songs. I'm, telling uh, I'm you, on man. fire. That one is a great song. Um, even though I don't think that song lyrics will be very politically correct these days. Like it's talking about little girl and I'm on fire and all that stuff. But anyways, uh, the point is that you have Bruce Springsteen who looks completely different. You know, he's hurt and all that stuff. I mean, I know he's gone through some health issues that we will not get into. But uh, bottom line, it was a commercial, feel-good commercial branding, all that stuff for Jeep. A and car company. Car company. And then he um, got Mr. a DUI like two days later. Mr. Springsteen now gets arrested for a DUI, 
which Indeed. makes Jeep withdraw all the commercials and the campaign after the Super Bowl. That's and it's great. like, how will you feel spending not just the at least five and a half more? I think they spent more it's for per that. 30 seconds. Per 30 seconds. And that was a pretty long. Was, I think it was like a minute at I least. I think it was a 60 second commercial. So Jeep definitely spent close to 11, 12 million just for the ad time. Plus the production, because it was very well produced going through all USA roads and all that stuff. And uh, to pull the whole campaign. Talking about, you know, the the spending all this money in a 30, 60 second spot and then no payoff. I mean, right now your spokesperson or your the person you selected gets a DUI. I mean, from all things that he could have gotten, that's the worst for a car company. So uh, that's, that's kind of uh, ironic. And then the but other one know, that surprised me. Does anything sum up America more than uh, basically an old rocker getting paid a ton of money only to get a DUI two days later in his Jeep? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that is I don't know America. if you're driving a Jeep. <laughs> I think Maybe. that should be the slogan. If you're going to get a DUI, get it in a Jeep. Land of the free, home of the brave. You can do that and the day after get that. Now, the other one that really amazed me that uh, another company that was kind of, they had at least two, maybe three, I think, was um, WeatherTech. I think it's the commercial, the, the company that makes the uh, basically floor mats yeah, and covers. I, I'm pretty convinced that they are a money laundering scheme because i don't know how they spend so much money on advertising i know when i mean they sell like floor mats i know how much money is there in floor mats? i was thinking the same thing because they they've done the theme of um using their their factory workers the real people not actors whatever which is fine for their commercials and everything is very america the beautiful and all that but i don't know how many floor mats you need to sell to <laughs> Make up for, I mean, that campaign probably was for them like minimum $20 million between production, advertising time, and they're everywhere. I mean, not just on Super Bowl commercials, which is the elite of the elite, but also they are in all magazines and print ads yeah. and everything. And I'm thinking, what is the, uh, I mean, we're talking always like last week, we're talking yeah, about margins. They how do they make up that? I mean, I don't know if anybody that has a weather tech floor mat for my friends and I'm a car guy. Okay. And I deal with cars and trucks and all that stuff. And yeah, they're beautiful, custom made, fitted and all that. But I don't know if anybody that has one of those. So, well, how do they make up the money? Well, I think there <laughs> are probably some Russian oligarchs oh my and um, Chinese foreign investors involved. And uh, that's the real business. That's how they make their money. And that the, the floor mats, it's like the most boring thing ever. It's a perfect color. That's, that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, oh, oh, this, oh, no. is, this is satire. Please don't sue me, WeatherTech. Yeah, no, but on a serious note. You make note, fine mats. Well, you know what we tell, we tell our clients and advertisers, you need to have a certain margin for certain types of advertising. And obviously for TV is specifically for our, for a Super Bowl commercial is, is obviously all branding and everything else. So, but you know, when you're talking digital marketing, all the stuff you say, okay, you don't make like maybe 30, 40% margin. Then, you know, by the time you add your ad cost and this and that, you know, you, you, you need to kind of plan your campaign thoroughly and what you expect to get in return, whether it's branding or selling conversions and so forth. But, but when you're, product is that and you spend so much money when you do the actual numbers and you say how many of those mats whatever they are floor mats or 
bed nets or whatever they need to sell with their cost to produce versus the profit margin they have to compensate for those ad costs, I, I just cannot do the math. So uh, uh, maybe they sell gazillion or that, but I, I haven't seen them. The Russian oligarchs can't do the math either. Yeah. All right. Um, so that, that's it for our Super Bowl commercial summary. Uh, we'll turn the page and move on. So, no, but we're going to actually uh, focus more on crypto since we have a crypto news segment that we skipped the last couple of weeks because we were talking about other topics. But uh, there's been a lot of news actually in the last um, couple of weeks, specifically this week. Um, you know, Elon Musk, which is it's funny because he, he tweeted saying, I'm off Twitter. Like yeah, that lasted two days. Yeah, or not even two. I think it was twenty-four hours. But he put a he put a I'm off Twitter for a while or something, and people, oh my God, Elon Musk is off Twitter, and it's like you know they like made the news just for that little tweet, one liner, right. and then like a day after, two days later, he's talking about Dogecoin, Dogecoin, and and Dogecoin, Dogecoin. Let's pronounce and, it correct. Well, no, some people say Dogecoin. Like no, uh, it's Doge. It's the Doge. pronunciation. Okay. Yes. Um, Dogecoin, and then um, also, you know, basically he said Tesla is buying 1.5 billion dollars. Did it is did it did buy 1.5 billion dollars in uh, in Bitcoin. So that actually was pretty big news for a number of reasons. Obviously, it, it pumped Bitcoin quite a bit because when a major manufacturer like Tesla, which is now the largest in valuation from all of them. Uh, does that basically starts bringing the topic of are the rest of the car manufacturers going to do the same thing? Which well, I don't know about the car manufacturers, but the I mean just other companies. In well, other companies, but it, but like GM said, well, we don't have those plans in the in the near future, and you know, obviously everybody's saying, oh, because they also said they're going to start taking Bitcoin as a payment for buying a Tesla. Yeah. So uh, you know that tells you, okay, well, will GM or or Ford do the same, or any other company? You know. And uh, apparently nobody's kind of jumping on that bandwagon for now. But uh, but uh, in the in the crypto news that made a lot of news basically because it was also a little borderline um, with uh, you know obviously you know Elon Musk we know that he owns Bitcoin and uh, do we know personally? Well, I don't know, but I mean I think he's. I'm sure he probably has some. Yeah, I mean he. I don't know how much, but. I'm sure he does, but I mean, when he knows that when he says that or when Tesla did that, he knows that Bitcoin is going to go higher. And then, well, Tesla's valuation already increased just because when they bought 1.5 billion, um, and then Bitcoin went from, I mean, it increased is 48,000 today. Um, I'm not sure yeah, exactly. I think they, I think they said they estimated they bought the majority of it at 32,000. Right. So they already are up like 700 something million. Exactly. Like they, they basically said. If they're actually up like whatever, 750 million, uh, that's more profit than they made last year selling cars. Exactly. That's my point. That, But the funny thing is that there doesn't seem Which to be is, any foul play there because there's no obviously foul play. Treasury, Treasury management is a very important part of running right. a company. And this is actually, I actually think it's the most under discussed thing. Like, for example, a company like Apple. I think they have horrible treasury management because they just now in their case they have so much money i think they just don't know what to do with mm -hmm. to do with it but it's like i mean well they should bring it back to the us to begin with apple with their how much cash do they have now 400 billion Less 300 billion 300 something it's whatever right some ridiculous amount of money 
I mean, they really should have their own Apple fund with that mm-hmm. money. I mean, they have so much money. And I understand, obviously, they some of that they want to use uh, for their own business. But they have so much cash, they don't know what to do with. They don't acquire companies. They don't really uh, make any crazy investments. Uh, their R&D, they spend on R&D, but not, I mean, how are you going to spend $300 billion on R&D? So, well, it took them forever to even give a dividend to their... Uh, shareholders they really barely have a small dividend yeah the only yeah. thing they do with their money is they just buy back stock yeah that's which is it. another way to pump the stock right um but i think treasury management is very important and if you can make money uh, basically just with the extra cash your company has then you should do that i mean that's no i understand and 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 obviously tesla did decide to buy 1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, like you said, at 33 or whatever, and now it's 48. So they knew or they could anticipate that if when they made the announcement, which was later, obviously, the, the uh, you know, Bitcoin will increase in value. So they, because they had that kind of power, so they did that and they increased in value. And then now they are, you know, they made like 750 million, whatever, on paper, you know, it's fine, but they made it. And so did a bunch of people that own Bitcoin, including you and I. So, but it's funny because, you know, this is not something that you can see, okay, it's like a pump on dump or it's like uh, insider trading, whatever. This is not even trading. It's not even a security. So the S- people are saying, oh, the SEC will look into that and I should look into that because they buy, there's nothing, there's nothing to look into. First of all, Bitcoin wrong. is not a security. So the security is In the disclosure too, I mean, they said, right, exactly. they disclosed we bought Bitcoin, but they said, uh, we're also looking into buying gold right. and buying other things too. Any other commodities, right. They're basically putting their money to work, which is what the government is telling you to say, okay, we, nothing if you leave it that. in the bank, we're right now giving you zero interest on your savings, which is killing anybody that is basically putting money in savings. I don't care if you buy CDs or whatever, so for the average company or person. So they're buying things that potentially have more more uh, projections or or expectations of giving their profits so they decided to put into bitcoin which at the same time they said we will start accepting bitcoin for people that buy our vehicles so i don't think there's anything wrong with that and you know yeah they're an influential company and as a result of that the the bitcoin value increased and they made money with that but they could have taken a risk if something else happens and bitcoin goes down they could have taken the same risk on the downside you know so uh, there's nothing wrong with that but anyways aside from that obviously I know it's just not Bitcoin. I mean, with well, you know, it's actually a, it is a risk because um, as far as the gap accounting works, yeah. Um, if so, for basically Tesla in this case, when the value of Bitcoin goes up, they can't count that as earnings. For mm-hmm. example, right. uh, If it's not uh, realized, basically, mm-hmm. right. Uh, it'll show in the balance sheet, but it won't be. It won't be like earnings. Right. But if Bitcoin goes down, they have to show that as a loss on the income statement. Mm-hmm. And that's what's kind of fucked up about gap uh, accounting. Yeah. And so it's actually risky in the fact that if, if Bitcoin were to go down, then Tesla would have to mark that as an income loss, even though it's not an income loss. It's a it's a basically investment loss. Right. Because they um, did spend the money buying it, obviously. Yeah. Right. But basically on the upside it doesn't count but on the downside it does but what's different between doing that and if they decide to buy stock on something else 
or anything else or gold um, or anything like that. They buy gold and gold goes down. Yeah, no, same it's kind deal. of the same thing. Right. The, the gap accounting counts yeah. both ways. And I mean, people were case, saying this is why we need to... Uh, the, the the arguments around accounting is incredibly complex. A lot of people hate gap. Some people love gap. I don't want to get into that. But um, that's a case where I think that's the fact, like if you own an asset and the value of that asset goes down and then you have to market as lost earnings on an income statement. I think that's crazy. But I thought the, uh, the uh, uh, gap rules kept. Uh, being adjusted. I mean, first of all, let's define it. That's that's an acronym. It's G A A P, yep. which is uh, I think is generally accepted accounting, accounting procedures or practices. Pro Procedure procedures. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Right. So basically, it's, again, it's generally accepted. And I'm not so, an accountant. I don't. I'm not right, an expert. Right. Right. And, and neither am I. But I mean, I've read a lot of articles about gap, pre-gap, non-gap. This that you know, basically. It's, they have a number of practices or procedures that they they say okay we're going to all kind of measure by the same measuring rate or measuring table what accounting you know for for reporting numbers but yeah there's there are situations like this where you say okay we're buying something that is supposed to be a commodity or an asset or something and then if it loses value it's basically a, 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 an income that we are actually losing on if it gains value then it's on paper we haven't realized it meaning we haven't sold the Bitcoin or whatever to cash on the profit. Therefore, there's nothing that we can demonstrate because today is high, tomorrow it could be low. I just talk about the GameStop right. people, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. So, all right. So, um, so briefly on the uh, Doge, or is it Dogecoin? Doge. Dogecoin. Um, that's another thing that has been kind of uh, in the news the last we week. We can move on. I know. It's, it's a joke, okay? It was a joke, exactly. People That's the take point. things too seriously, okay? People don't understand. Its problem is you have all these suits who get on fucking TV <laughs> who are a bunch of losers who don't understand anything. They've never had fun in their lives, and they just take everything so seriously. But it worries everything. You, we need to clarify. Like when, when Elon is tweeting jokes about Dogecoin, he's joking. He's messing around. But it's increased value, obviously. Um, sure. People speculate on a million different things, okay? Right. I mean, you could... Listen, Nikolai stock at one point was worth like $30 billion when they didn't even have a prototype car. That's true. That's true okay? True. Yeah. So anybody who talks shit about Dogecoin but then doesn't say anything about Nikolai can fuck off, okay? The, the markets are so ridiculous right now. I don't want to hear it. You know, you get all these stupid traditional finance people who act like they're all high and mighty it's like who cares okay it's a joke it's pure speculation nobody well, the, actually the thinks that, that dogecoin is like a currency of the future when when uh they asked Elon musk uh, a while ago about uh bitcoin he said he says no i'm not investing because i'm very late to a party basically saying okay bitcoin is already too high for me to jump into it you know he should have bought it when he was like whatever a thousand two thousand you know three four five years ago and uh and then so that was the dogecoin thing like he said okay this is not new and i can you know kind of jokingly saying okay this will become the next the next bitcoin so i'm now buying it when it's very low and that's where it increased the value and all that stuff but like it or not i mean it's not worth what like nine billion or something so i mean it has a certain value now but it just again it's just making use out of nothing you know because there's like hundreds of different cryptocurrencies out there and this is just one of them so anyways let's move on to um um another topic um well one of the things that i was kind of trying to 
figure out myself is, and I think it's when I talk to other friends that are kind of like, or people that I know that are interested in similar situations, is basically the the transactions between, uh, you know, so we know you can transact money or transfer money between in the blockchain very easily from between in the crypto bubble, in the crypto environment, not to use the bubble uh, word. It's easy to transfer funds from one crypto to another within the blockchain. The challenges come when you're trying to do transactions that involve the fiat world, the normal currencies, dollars, euros, whatever, and crypto, especially when it comes to international transactions. Those are much more regulated. So, for example, if you have um, um, money in a different currency or in a different bank or in a different location, let's say that you have an office in another country, um, and then you want to move some of that money, you know, convert it to crypto, you can't do that unless you stay within the country, basically. Uh, I'm talking between fiat currency and cryptocurrency. So you can use an exchange that belongs to a country, to the same country where your fiat currency is. Let's say that you're in Europe, let's say you're in France, and then you have an office in France that is generating income and revenue, like every other company, and then you want to take some of that revenue that is in Euro and convert it to any cryptocurrency, let's say Bitcoin. So you can do that, you use an exchange that is basically European or French, and then say, yeah, I want to convert some, you know, 50,000 euro from these profits into, just like Tesla did, just buy Bitcoin and put it on there. But you can do that if you have another office, for example, in the US, and say, I want to convert some of the 50,000 euro that I want there, I'm putting into my exchange in the, or use a, an American exchange to make that transaction. So that is correct right basically that's that's based on international regulations they don't want the commingling or the exchange of funds between the countries uh yeah for the most part there's some exchanges that kind of go by their own rules but then a lot of banks don't work with them right um yeah they kind of it's it's con first of all there's no like final answer it's constantly changing like the, but, the sec just said something new today they, things are always changing, so there's no right answer. But yes, they, for the most part, um, you have to use because they basically implemented KYC laws, so you have to verify your identity. Right, um, KYC meaning know, know your, your customer. Know your customer, right? So in the same way, when you open a <clears throat> bank account, you have to verify your identity with the bank. Uh, now they want you to verify your identity when you if you open an exchange account. Right, and they also so so there's. And so obviously as, as you that. said, when all this started, it was very new, and it was like free for all. You could have a, a crypto exchange, whatever, Coinbase, Binance, whatever, and then um, you could move from you connect any bank from any country to your exchange. You move funds and all that stuff. But then the, the country started saying, "Hey, wait a minute, this is like a there's a limit of how much money you can move between countries and all that stuff for a bunch of reasons that we're not going to discuss now." But they said. We need to verify that you actually are a, a legit person that you exist and where you live and all that stuff. And then, so they do that now. They have these KYC um, rules where they say if you are doing this, you need to like like you are in Europe and you are basically buying Bitcoin or anything or transferring funds to a European exchange. They say, okay, but do you live in Europe? We don't want an American person to move funds to Europe. If you basically live in the U.S. and that's the 
that's the KYC part, you know, where they say, who are you, where do you live, show us your ID, blah, 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 all that stuff. So as you said, I mean, there's, there's exchanges that are still not complying with all those rules, but at the same time, there's banks that say, oh, we don't work with that exchange because, again, we, we need to follow the rules, you know. So I think that's one clarification. I actually learned that not too long ago because I actually, uh, you know, I have Binance. Uh, I use on my phone all that stuff. On Binance.com used to be an exchange. But then apparently it was more based in Europe, which I didn't know. You download the app and then it's Binance.com. It's just an exchange. No, it wasn't based in Europe. It was, they're based on the Cayman Islands. Oh, the Cayman, okay. But um, they basically, when, when all the new laws got implemented, they had to change things. Since now they have Binance US. And I think Binance Europe and Binance Asia or whatever, I think that's how they do it now. Yeah, well, Binance.com, which is what I originally used, um, they gave their users, after all these regulations changed, a deadline to say, hey, we noticed that you are in the US and you are not in Europe because they still allow you to use uh, British pounds and euros and all that stuff. So I'm assuming they primarily their primary location, even though they are in, maybe based in the Cayman Islands, was European exchanges. But uh, um, they basically gave me the notice saying, hey, we noticed that you're logging in from the US, so you need to set up your account with Binance.us. I was like, I thought it was actually like a scam or something saying, wait a minute, I'm using your app. I've been using it all the time just to look at exchanges and stuff. And then it was true. I mean, basically, they say, okay, we need to basically yeah, part they ways. They changed the laws. Yeah, they changed the laws. So they, it was clear that they said, okay, you are in the U.S. You need to use Binance.us, which is our sister company, whatever, based for U.S. transactions. And then Binance.com apparently works with European. I'm not sure of the countries, but uh, it definitely does anything that is related to euros and British pounds and all that stuff. So that's one thing that I uh, I think is. Um, but you you explained it to me very clearly. You said, okay. Uh, if, if you have Bitcoin and then you want to exchange from Bitcoin to Ethereum or this or anything which is which is at the level, at the crypto level, at the blockchain level, you can do it anywhere. You know, you can change all the stuff no matter where you are. Um, but when you're trying to move fiat money or normal currency money to convert to blockchain, then you need to, there's some kind of uh, firewalls that pretend, prevent you from where you do it, right? Okay. Uh, any other comments on that or... No, I mean, it's just two different worlds, basically. Right. That's what I was explaining to you. I was like, yeah, because you, you were saying, oh, why is it so difficult? It's like, it's not difficult because of crypto. It's difficult because of all the regulations and the stupid shit that banks have. And they want you to fill out a million forms and use SWIFT for transfers and, uh, and basically yeah. all the old world shit. But yeah. I was like, once you move the money into crypto, right? Like, like for example, I have Ethereum. And then I, 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 with Ethereum, then I have access to all these different tokens. I can do all these different things. I can, I can get DAI, which is a stable coin. And then with DAI, basically, I can do a million different things. I can move my money into any of these uh, high yield um, uh, savings or interest. Uh, yeah, basically, high yield. Uh, I don't know how you would call it. They're kind of there's different different. Um, basically projects that are they provide yield for different reasons um mm -hmm. but uh like some of them trade based on like uh like arbitrage between stable coins 
Um, so for example, like if for like die, um, right. If you, if you, if you need to peg die at $1, um, uh, and then you have a, this balance between Ethereum and die, and you always need to make sure that you have that die is worth exactly $1. Right. And so depending on the supply and demand, it could go off, like say to 99 cents, 98 cents. Right. And so then basically they need to adjust it and there's algorithms that literally trade right. on that arbitrage it's the same thing as yeah and as they be, and, and by doing that they're able to provide you like oh nine percent interest rate based mm -hmm. on that and and so you could put your money there you know so there's all types of right things that's you what uh, basically like the swiss franc was back to a dollar and all that stuff back in the days before they uh, did it, they disassociated themselves about two or three years ago but yeah i understand that and uh, um and then you can do I mean, there's a million tokens that do a million different things. And this is just on Ethereum. And then obviously, uh, if you're using Bitcoin, it's a whole different ecosystem. But yeah, um, once you move your money out of the old world, so to speak, into mm -hmm. the new world, it's so much easier, you know, and it takes two seconds. The only problem these days is just that the, uh, especially on Ethereum, I mean, the because the network is is uh so overloaded right now the gas fees are insane the what fees the gas fees on ethereum gas fees gas fees yeah fees but what is what do you mean gas that's basically the transaction fee you pay okay when you when you use ethereum uh that you basically pay why why are they fee. so because there's there's basically so much demand right now that so the like gas a, fees are really high. But like, you mean you say, what do you mean gas? Is like electricity or power or something? Or is it the... Yeah, basically there's miners and they charge a fee for processing your transaction. Right. And uh, like I did one the other day where I was... Uh, so there's Ethereum domains now. Mm -hmm. And uh, the gas fee for buying that Ethereum domain, I think I paid like 50 bucks in a, in is, a is, transaction fee is gas an acronym or is gas as gas it's called gas like basically like i don't know that's just what they call it but uh like the like consumption fee or something it's the transaction fee basically okay. how it works is if if i need a transaction to process uh i put it out onto the ethereum blockchain with a reward for the miners and the miners will basically get through all these transactions based on the reward level and that reward level is based on supply and demand. And so right, it's like a, you're bidding on a certain... And it fluctuates a lot. Like I checked this morning because uh, I wanted to see. The, I paid a gas fee the other day. It was like 45 or 50 bucks. This morning it was 90 bucks. So any transaction you want to do on Ethereum right now, it's $90 per transaction. So the, so, so in the case, I was, it was like a, I was paying $5 for something and it was a $45 transaction fee. Wow. So now it's so who's getting the money? The miners? The miners? Just one or all of them or where does that go? Um, it goes to a pool of for the miners. I think or in that case it goes to individual miners. But yeah, basically. That, so it's not like who wants to make the transaction? Okay, I'll take it for forty-five bucks. And I guess it's eh, forty-five bucks is not my thing. Yeah, I mean this is all automated. It's not like they're right, doing right. it manually. But yeah, it's supply and demand. And so when there's a ton of congestion on the network like there was this morning it's it went up to like 90 dollars per transaction now if you're doing like large transactions okay fine but yeah i mean if you're doing a 20 dollar transaction right now it's a 90 dollar fee and this is one of the problems with ethereum this is why everybody's trying to do l2 
and L3, which is basically the, the higher layers. Uh, and Bitcoin is very similar, right? Bitcoin has had these problems in the past. That's why we made, or not we made, but basically they came with Lightning Network to get over mm -hmm. this. So you have L2, L3 solutions. Because basically, when you go on Ethereum directly, it's layer one. It's like the base protocol. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's, uh, there's, there's only a limited amount of transactions that can be done on that protocol. And so this is why they're building layer two, layer three stuff so that you don't need to pay these types of fees. But let me jump in for a second. When you say transactions, just to clarify, these are, I mean, if I went to buy one Ethereum, one Ether, um, I'm gonna pay 90 bucks. No, that's, what do you mean buy one Ether? With what? Like, like if I wanted, basically, I go to an exchange and I say... Are you converting from fiat? Or? From fiat, right. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. This is Ethereum transactions. So okay. operating on the Ethereum network. So in this case, I'm literally spending my Ethereum to buy something. Oh, okay. So so you're within the Ethereum network using your Ethereum currency yeah. to buy something. Yeah, I was buying a domain. And you pay a $90 fee, transaction fee, no matter how much or how little you buy. The yeah. fee is a fixed fee. It was fee. a $5. So if I was buying something for 5 bucks. The domain was $5. But the gas fee was $45. So if, if, uh, if your local um, grocery store decides to take Ethereum as a currency to pay for your groceries, you're paying 50 bucks for groceries and $90 for the transaction fee. You could, yeah. Holy shit. Well, that defeats the purpose of using, you know, these currencies as daily currencies, basically. Or, well, that's the whole reason why you have all these projects that are building on top. Right. Um, and that also fluctuates. I mean, today will be 90, tomorrow could be 150, or the day after 20. Yes. I mean, it depends on. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Uh, and that is specifically for Ethereum, or is also that's Ethereum. I mean, all all blockchain, all, all proof of work systems have that kind of uh, drawback, or you could call it. I mean, it's designed because basically you want the the, the you're not the goal is not to have the world's transactions operate on ethereum base layer right that's why you build on top of it that's why you have lightning network for bitcoin that's why you have all these other tokens on top of it so the only one that has a layer two or whatever is bitcoin with a lightning network but none no, of no other ethereum does too it's just that uh right now there's no like consensus so to speak so would you say that they are kind of discouraging people from using ethereum for ethereum transactions they say okay, yeah 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 a, for, i mean yeah for sure like yeah. like tesla says okay we'll take bitcoin and you want to buy a car or anything with tesla you know accessories whatever well in the case of a tesla it wouldn't be that much, right? If you're buying a $40,000 car, $90 fee is not that much. Right, but if you buy an accessory, whatever, you say you buy floor mats for a Tesla, WeatherTech, by the way, yeah. and they sell them for, you know, 0 0.001 of a Bitcoin or whatever, you don't pay those fees in addition to the actual cost of the product, right? I mean, with Bitcoin, but if it was Ethereum, if you are buying something with, if, if Tesla says tomorrow, oh, we're also accepting Ethereum. I don't know if payment. Tesla's going to use Lightning Network or if they're going to use Bitcoin based protocol. If they're selling a car, they probably use Bitcoin based protocol for $40,000 or $50,000 or $100,000, whatever car they're selling. Yeah, I think they would use, they probably wouldn't use Lightning Network. Lightning mm -hmm. Network, the whole point of it is for 
for daily transactions. Daily transactions. You get a coffee, whatever. Right. You know, pay with the, Bitcoin. The a hundred dollar fee is a lot on a coffee, but on a hundred thousand dollar car, you pay the hundred dollar fee. In fact, that's less than any type. Well, of I mean, uh, just for perspective, I mean, credit card transactions right. usually have a three percent fee. Right. Exactly. It's a percentage fee. It's not a fixed fee. So yeah, three percent of when you buy a coffee and you decide to pay with pay with a credit card, normally the right. The store absorbs the uh, the transaction right. fee. Right. So if you buy reality- something for a thousand dollars on a credit card, you're paying that company or whoever is getting uh, charging the you. Product. They're 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 paying a thirty dollar fee, right? right? So, but they you know whatever on a thousand bucks, thirty bucks isn't that much, right? And so if you're selling a hundred thousand dollar car and the fee is a hundred dollars, but it's secure on right, base right. layer Bitcoin, you're like, okay, cool, I'll do that. I don't care. Right. But if it's hundred dollars on a because it's a fixed fee obviously it makes sense right all right so um all right so let me switch over another question i had is the um uniswap um exchange which is basically what you're talking about now right now as far as uh, being able to um it's yeah it's one of the uh, it's the largest basically uh uh swapping uh I don't know what you want to call it. Basically, it allows you to swap between any type of um, ERC-20 token, which is basically a token built on top of the Ethereum protocol. There's multiple of them, but Uniswap's the largest. But that's just for Ethereum? Yes. So the Uniswap is Ethereum, but when you're talking about swapping, like um, uh, crypto swap or anything like that, um, does that mean that you are basically swapping cryptos like you can say okay i'm gonna uh exchange my ethereum into bitcoin or something no 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 no, no. this is on uniswap is built on top of ethereum it's just so ethereum Ethereum, remember ethereum when i say l1 it's the base layer protocol but then on top of that you have tons of different tokens and projects that are Mm -hmm. being built for all types of things some are like i said that are trying to just earn interest for you some are built uh trying to I mean, there's literally a million things. There's collectibles. There's um, now one of the big things is the NFTs. I want to get that in a second. So there's uh, basically anything. So and Uniswap is just universal swap. Basically, uh, it lets you swap between anything. So I can so you start out with Ethereum, and so and then you can swap into whatever uh some type of token mm-hmm. and then you can swap between that token and another token and and it's it's all swappable okay. basically okay so you just mentioned the nft which is the final topic that i wanted to go over today and uh i know that nft because you told me it still stands for non-fungible token non i understand token i understand fungible i have no idea what that means yeah, so it's very simple. So fungible means, so for example, a dollar bill, that is fungible, meaning that if I have a dollar bill and you have a dollar bill and we swap them, it makes no difference, basically. Okay. They're identical. There's no difference between one dollar bill and another. An ounce of gold and another ounce of gold are totally swappable. In the token world, one Bitcoin and another Bitcoin, you swap them. It's the same. There's no difference, right? So that's fungible. Non-fungible basically means a unique token. So if I have a Picasso painting, if I have La Guernica, and then you have La Guernica, one of us has a fake, basically. And so... It's, it's, it's pronounced Guernica. 
no, whatever. Guernica. <laughs> right. So if I have, if I have, if we both supposedly have the same uh, Picasso painting, one of ours is fake because it's non-fungible. Basically, it's a one of a kind unique. So non-fungible just means a unique token, one of a kind. Okay. Um. And so, so non non replicated or something or non duplicated or. Yeah, just basically that it's not a... Because, I mean, it's not swappable. You, it's not gonna, a You and I can swap the two paintings. It's just that one obviously is real, the other one is not, so... Yeah, why, why would anybody do that? No, I know, but non-fungible. Okay, I understand. It's like non-replicable. Re, re, I have a painting to sell you if that's what you want to do. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, so basically it's just unique tokens assigned to a specific item. Um, and it can be a digital item, it can be a physical item, it can be really anything. And so this is obviously huge for the art market. It's uh, big in music. Exactly. So give it's me give me examples or practical applications of NFT that are in use today, um, how people use oh, it. I mean, art, um, all the, it looks like all of the like sports cards and collectibles are all going so that for, way. For example, um, yeah, but give me an example of how, you know, how the transaction happens so you see um a piece of art uh, so for example i bought my first nft last week and uh what it was is this uh, guy john palmer who's like uh he's like a smart guy and he writes um good essays he wanted to find a way to kind of uh fund his essay writing in a unique way he said i could start a Substack or whatever but I want to try doing something unique. So he said, instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create an essay token. And so it's the first ever essay uh, that's been basically tokenized. And uh, he created an essay token. Well, when you say he created, how did he create that? Do you know? Yeah. So there's different um, um, uh, companies, uh, not companies, but uh, uh, projects that are working on this. There's one called Zora. Z O R A, um, and then the other large one is uh, N F D. I think is what they're called. But um, Zora is the biggest right now, and that's the one he used. And um, Z O R A, people can look it up. Um, and they basically allow anybody to create NFTs. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're an artist or whatever, you can basically create an NFT for your piece of art, and then people can then bid on it. Uh, to buy the tokens and you say I'm going to issue a hundred tokens of this so you create an NFT and you say I want to issue a hundred tokens just like you issue shares of a company or exactly. whatever say and you say shares right so you issue a hundred shares in this case they're called tokens for your work whatever it is could be an essay could be a painting could be whatever you're selling yeah and then you let people bid could be on a piece of music exactly anything. any any type of uh work and then um you let people bid on it do you do you put on a, a starting bid um or people start bidding one buck or how does that work um no people uh, people just bid basically i don't think there's uh restrictions so so if and I, I you may not know the answer so i mean this is fairly new but for example you bought one you told me for what nine dollars or something or what yeah so i bought 10 tokens of essay uh, there, I think there's a thousand tokens. Okay, so you bought ten, which is a one percent. Yeah. Okay. And uh, there's, they were when I bought it, there were nine bucks per token. I think they're up to like uh, twenty now. So I already, I'm already making money. But basically, 
Um, and I can show people. So, here. how do you pay for that? With w dollars? With Ethereum. Oh, with Ethereum. Mm -hmm. So, I use Uniswap. Exactly. That's what we're going to get to. So, so there were a thousand tokens that he issued, like a thousand shares for his work. Mm -hmm. You bought 10, which is 1% of his value, and you bought it for the equivalent of $9. Yeah. So, you pay with Ethereum, but at that point, it was nine dollars in the exchange. You could that was the dollar value. You could also value in Ethereum. It was point oh whatever. Right, no, I understand. But yeah. the the point is that the dollar obviously nine dollars is nine dollars today and yesterday. But Ethereum today maybe seventeen hundred and tomorrow could be fifteen hundred. So yeah, but the same with the SA token. The SA token goes up and down too. It goes up and down with supply and demand of yeah. of people buying it or Ethereum value. No, no, it goes up and down with people buying and selling the tokens. Okay. So it went up a bunch. It went up the day I bought it. It was nine dollars a token. The next day it was like twenty-two, and then in this case, because it's not a massive thing, it was like the you know it was like eleven thousand dollars or something was the value. And someone cashed out, like sold like three grand worth, and then the price of the token went down to like sixteen a token or whatever. So, it's, but basically, are they one thousand already sold? Yeah, yeah. So they're already sold. Okay, so they already sold. So it's kind of like. I mean, Bitcoin is not sold yet, but uh, um, so the 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 one thousand tokens are sold out. Yeah, and ten percent is held by the owner, the creator. Right. And then the other ninety percent is for the public. Out of which you own one percent. So and now people buy like you did, and then the value doubled. And some people cashed out to make their make their money. Some people are sticking there, and it's kind of yeah. what is the f and finish line for this? When do you? How long? Is the essay published? There's no answer. Yes, he did publish the essay. And, and so at what point did this, does this guy get his money? He already made money. He basically, when he issued, it's like doing an IPO. Mm -hmm. He basically s sold the tokens, right? For what price? I mean, an IPO is based on evaluation. Right. When he sold it, it's, it's, it's an auction. So basically, he sold 1,000 SA tokens, and then um, people could bid, and then basically he sold it. Okay. And now he, he still owns 10%, so he keeps 10% of whatever happens in the future. Um, so with the tokens too, basically there's two things. You can own the tokens, but then there's also, you can buy the whole thing. And so basically it's, it's like owning shares, but also there's the main owner. And so someone can buy the whole thing for whatever, 11 grand or whatever it's worth in the future. And then they have, they own the full rights to it and they can publish it wherever and do it. So if someone bought it and then put it behind a paywall, uh, they could do that too. All right. Okay. And so like for music, for example, if somebody basically came and just bought the, the like this piece of music. Royalties or royalties or whatever. Right. Exactly. Okay. So, so it, it looks to me that it's almost like a mix of, um, almost like a Kickstarter project, but you're basically in this case, it it's tokens. kind of like like a patronage type thing. Okay. Um, All right. So people just give. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's really simple. Uh, like I don't know if the camera can pick this up, but let me turn my brightness up. But basically, how it works is so I have basically this is an Ethereum wallet I use. It's called Rainbow Wallet. It's the best Ethereum wallet. I recommend it for people. Um, if they want to use Uniswap and all that stuff. But basically, I have my Ethereum here, 
and I moved my Ethereum in, and I, I, I just moved a, a little bit of my Ethereum just because I wanted to mess around. And then what I do is you can basically go here, and this is just send any address, uh, or you can go here, and you can swap, right? And then basically I click choose token, and then I have all these tokens. So the top ones are DAI, obviously Ethereum, and then you have all these tokens. But then, I mean, look at look at all these tokens. There's a million different tokens. So those are from the people that are trying to fund. How do you find the people that are trying to fund their projects with tokens? No, these are just like the top ones. So these are like right. the big ones. These are not um, NFTs. The NFT is is separate. So the NFT. How do you find out, Rex? What projects are NFTs? See, that, right now we're talking about network fees. Right now it's fifty eight dollars. Um. So how do you find out about what NFTs are out there? Uh, you can go like on Zora's website. Okay. And they have a ton of them. So you basically decide, oh, I believe in this guy. I'm gonna buy. Yeah. Uh, X tokens, whatever. Yeah. Here I'll show you. Zora. And this is all super new, so uh, it's they're still even kind of building out like the uh, marketplace and everything. Right, right. But the thing is, um, okay. So this is Zora's website, and this is just a feed of all the stuff that's being uploaded, right? And so these are all just like random pieces of art or whatever. And then I can go and click on any of them, and I can place a bid to buy them. And this are case, there any um, any um qualifications to be able to put a project there uh right now yeah you have to apply uh, so you apply with a project it doesn't need to be art it could be any collectible like I said anything that you have yeah that you're building and then um if it's approved then it's listed and then people start just bidding on it mm -hmm. wow that's interesting that's definitely a um interesting way to um not only fund your projects like you know, like a Patreon, like a Kickstarter type thing, but on the on the uh, crypto world, but also, um, I mean, a way to basically earn revenue before you actually have it out there, you know? Because, I mean, this person didn't write the essay until later. He was just trying to get it funded. I mean, it's the same thing that if I decide to build something or you decide to do something and say, okay, I want people to yeah. to buy it. And interesting so uh so you're doing well so far you you are you planning to cash out at some point or i in this case i did it just because it's the first ever essay uh that was tokenized. is it good did you read it did you uh... i haven't read it yet he just released it i'm gonna read it today okay but uh yeah but i mean when that essay if it's not time if it's sensitive or something i mean it'll lose value right i'm assuming uh, not necessarily i mean if it's an essay i think it'll gain value just because in this case because it's uh unique it's the but first who, ever essay. who has access to that that essay anybody it's public it's public so yeah. that's what i'm saying that's why it loses value i mean i mean if you read an article or a editorial or something and then a month from today nobody cares about that stuff we'll see i think so, it'll go up in value really yeah i mean if it's a novel or something but an essay i, I i'm kind of hard thinking it, again because it's the first essay ever yeah. i think it'll go up in value I think it'll just okay. be a novel thing. To yeah, own. I understand. The ticker is literally essay. That's the name of the ticker. Like, right. Like dollar essay. All right. So, so one final question. You said that ether. So far, by the way, if anybody's wondering, the biggest transaction was somebody sold a painting for eight hundred thousand dollars. Famous or just? Well, decently famous. Yes. The, the artist was decently famous. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So you said that ether 
you can have some kind of domain name or something for all your transactions. Yes. Uh, which is, what is the format? It was... ENS. Okay. E what do you mean? Like like you said, you can have your own domain. Yeah, it's it's uh, .eth, E-T-H. Like E-T-H, okay. Yeah, so whatever .eth. And yeah. that's just for the for your transaction stuff. It's not like you're going to get a website or something with that domain. It's not like GoDaddy domain. It's basically an ETH, Ether or Ethereum domain. Yeah, but it works across all tokens, which right. is cool. Right, so you can centralize all your transactions and all that stuff there. Okay. All right, man. Well, that's a lot of information to digest. And I'm still learning, too. I mean, I, I started learning about the NFTs probably last summer. I first heard about them. Um, it was something I kind of like, like I found about Azora like last summer. And I kind of passively just was like, oh, this is interesting. And uh, the last couple months, it's really picked up. It's become like even the NBA now, they've already sold millions of dollars worth of NFTs uh, themselves uh, through their website. They have, it's called NBA Top Shot, I think is what it's called. And uh, they're selling NBA moments like the best, the most expensive one so far was um, Kevin Durant's first shot that he made this year as a Brooklyn net. Uh -huh. I forget how much it sold for, but the N NBA already made like, I forget how much, like over $3 million or something selling NFTs. So you sell that and then you own a piece. If I buy whatever number of tokens, I own a portion of that NBA first shot for KD in Brooklyn. Yeah forever until yeah. i sell my shares exactly. wow it's like imagine if like you know the <clears> famous <throat> i wrote this because I, I wrote an article for us on our blog a few weeks ago about the nfts imagine if uh remember the jordan dunk contest when yeah. you had the famous jordan logo right it's like imagine if you owned that the air jordan what yeah. do you think the auction would be for that yeah. you know i mean that's the type of thing we're talking about but so so but or when the nba I, but when the nba sells these like in this so case, the NBA owns the rights to all that footage, right? They own it. So KD basically gets nothing out of this. KD, all the NBA players. I don't know how that works. I don't know. I'm sure if it becomes big, the players will say, hey, we want that money too. Right. Uh, now, I'm not sure. I'm, I, I would guess it's part of the revenue sharing agreement that they have. Right, right. I mean, the image rights for players are part of, I mean, the NBA has the rights, but uh, like in the Jordan case, obviously Jordan. But it's uh, similar to like sports cards, you know, right. I think it's the next evolution of sports cards. Mm -hmm. Like they're selling moments, you know. Yeah, but you can actually sell a bunch of things. You start selling things like that. That's I mean, the thing. It's, this is going to open a whole new world, man. Right. I, I'm telling you. I mean, you start monetizing special things, events, art, this, that, that you have, projects, whatever. I don't know, um, getting into tax implications and stuff, how this would be uh, yeah. taxable income and stuff, but that would be for the IRS to figure out. But uh, yeah, it's definitely incredible how this digital domain is making everybody think in a different way. Like before it was more like, okay, here's $2 for this and that's it. That's fungible, like you said, or tangible. <laughs> this is non-fungible, so the tokens and all that stuff. So first it needs to be a little more understood mainstream and then obviously, um, uh, you know, it needs to be um, a little more widespread, but um, I never actually heard of it until you told me. And you said the NBA, obviously I'm not a big NBA fan, but you said that NBA has been selling all that stuff and I had no idea. But it, I mean, that, that means that they can sell any league, any professional league, soccer, whatever. They'll say, okay, this is uh, Leo Messi's uh, first time he wore a Barcelona shirt. When he was yeah. 12, whatever, you know, so. All right, man, to be continued, I'm sure. Um, we'll, um, we'll be following your investment, see how that I say uh, is doing. <laughs> 
All right, well, that's it for today. Any uh, parting comments, anything, aside from the Suns' uh, buzzer beater or almost uh, one-point victory last night? You're happy with them, huh? Yeah, they're doing well. One, Number uh, four in the West. Seven out of eight so far. Yeah, the they're last about 15 on nine or something. Nine. Yeah, they're doing actually much better than I thought. At number four in the West so far. I don't know why. I, I, like I said, Western Conference Finals. That's my yeah, prediction. well, I think that's not going to happen. But anyway, we'll see. All right, guys. Well, thank you for uh, listening. Hopefully, this wasn't too too technical. It was too technical for me, but I, I have a lot of time to research. But uh, thanks, David, for clarifying a few of those things for us. And uh, just follow us on um, YouTube. We put all these videos, and then we put highlights too. So just find uh, MGR Agency, MGR Unplugged. You will find it on YouTube. And then um, anything else, just uh, send us a note, and um, we'll, we'll see you uh, next week. Thank you.